1903, New York Giants pitcher Iron Man Joe McGinnity pitched both games of a doubleheader three times in one month, and he won all six games. In 1904, Jack Chesbro completed 48 games for the Yankees. Cy Young completed 749 games in his career. Today, there are only five active players who have pitched even 30 complete games, and it's been 10 years since anyone finished 10 in a season. Today's pitchers are a bunch of pansies. I'm Alex Reisner, and you're listening to Game of Chance, a show about baseball, statistics, history, culture, and the role of luck in baseball. Now, obviously, I'm kidding. Today's pitchers are not pansies. There aren't as many complete games today, primarily because baseball has changed. There are radar guns everywhere, so we're more aware of speed, and there's more pressure for pitchers to throw hard. A lot of guys throw over 90 miles an hour. We don't know how fast McGinnity and Christy Mathewson and Cy Young threw, but presumably it was not that fast. Also, hitters have gotten used to the fastball and the curve, so pitchers need to throw more types of pitches, like the slider and the splitter, and those can be rough on the arm. Also, in the early days of baseball, there was more contact. There were fewer walks, fewer strikeouts, more balls were put in play, which meant there were fewer pitches per game. Historians say Christy Mathewson rarely exceeded 80 pitches in a game. So pitching a complete game back then was less of a feat than it is today. Another effect of more contact is that games used to be faster, so pitchers were sitting for less time in between innings. And finally, there's more concern today, for whatever reason, about prolonging pitchers' careers. And that brings us to what's become an important technique in preserving pitcher health, pitch counts. It's become standard in recent years for managers to keep an eye on the number of pitches a pitcher has thrown and decide even before the game starts when to remove the pitcher. It varies based on the pitcher's health, the time in the season, and the importance of the game, but 100 pitches is generally when you start thinking about ending a pitcher's outing. 110 is okay occasionally, and 120 is the beginning of the danger zone. Since 1988, when pitch-by-pitch data became available, the maximum number of pitches thrown in a single outing each year has declined. Until 1994, it was usually in the 160s. From 1998 to 2004, it was mostly in the 140s. And in the past four years, it's been in the 130s outside of Edwin Jackson's 149-pitch no-hitter earlier this year. Now, just to get the history straight, managing by pitch count isn't as recent as most people think. There's been an awareness of pitch counts going back to the teens when Ernie Lanigan published records for the fewest pitches needed to complete a nine-inning game. Christy Mathewson was the leader with 65. But the first manager I've heard of to enforce a pitch limit was Paul Richards with the Orioles in 1958, who wanted to be careful with a 19-year-old Milt Pappas. So that was the late 50s. But it wasn't until the early 80s that other managers started enforcing pitch limits for their starters. If there's any one thing that started the general use of pitch limits, it would probably be the Oakland Athletics pitching staff in the early 80s. In 1980, the A's had an extremely promising young rotation. Rick Langford, Matt Keough, Mike Norris, Steve McCaddy, and Brian Kingman were all between the ages of 24 and 28. In three years, from 1980 to 82, under manager Billy Martin, they threw a total of 196 complete games. By the end of 82, the staff was decimated. They all had career-ending arm injuries. Only McCaddy was able to pitch a 100-inning season after that, and even his career was over at the age of 31. So you'd better believe other teams noticed the destruction of Oakland's great young pitching staff, and pretty soon even Nolan Ryan's pitches were being limited. 
which of course he hated. But it's not just Ryan that hates pitch counts. Fans, players, managers, and journalists all have some pretty strong opinions about how pitch counts are used. I got a call recently from Pat Kerrigan in La Crescent, Minnesota, who's questioning the way the Twins have been managing their pitchers. One issue that concerns us and is driving all of us folks crazy in Minnesota is this whole business of pitch count. Just recently, uh, Ron Gardenhire, the uh, coach here in Minnesota, pulled Kevin Slowey. He had seven innings in and he had a, a no-hitter going. And generally, he feels if the pitcher's got a 100 or uh, more pitches, it's time to yank him. And uh, the former great here, Burt Blylevin, who does the color commentary for the Twins, he's... Uh, He's always all over uh, Gardenhire, usually uh, indicating that uh, he feels he babies these pitchers or pulls them a little bit too soon and actually causes uh, issues with regard to arm strength. Uh, he doesn't allow these pitchers to build up endurance. So here we have Gardenhire pulling Kevin Slowey in the middle of a no-hitter after 106 pitches. Just a week later, the Rangers pulled Rich Harden after six and two-third no-hit innings against the Twins. In both cases, the no-hitter was lost by the bullpen and the manager was booed. Gardenhire said even he would have booed if he were a fan, but as a manager, he wouldn't hesitate to make the same decision again. Now, of course, fans want to see a no-hitter. But baseball teams are trying to get to the World Series, which means winning games and staying healthy. Both Slowey and Harden were returning from injuries, and it seems like common sense that you want to be careful after an injury. Also, both those pitchers are key players on teams with a very good chance of making the playoffs, so the need to stay healthy is even greater. But what about Edwin Jackson's 149-pitch no-hitter in June? Well, that was before the All-Star break for a last-place team. Even in June, the Diamondbacks were pretty clearly out of contention, so a crowd-pleasing no-hitter was probably justified. Plus, Jackson is an unusually resilient pitcher. It sounds crazy, but he hasn't even iced his arm in the past seven years and his performance since that no-hitter has been, if anything, better. But for pitchers who aren't Edwin Jackson, in general, how much do pitch counts matter? Does managing by a pitch count really prolong pitchers' careers, or does it prevent them from building endurance, as Blylevin says? Former Yankee pitcher Jim Bouton says that he wishes he had pitched in today's game for a manager who was more concerned about the health of his arm. In two years, starting at age 23, Bouton threw over 500 innings and 23 complete games. By the time he was 26, he couldn't pour a container of milk without his arm hurting. But would Bouton really have lasted longer if he had thrown fewer pitches? Obviously, we'll never know for sure, but it seems to me there are at least five factors, other than pitch count, that could contribute to arm problems. For one, there's throwing hard, which as I mentioned, there's a lot of pressure to do. Second is throwing stressful pitches like the slider, especially when you're young. Three, your natural body structure and how inherently injury prone you are. Four is your training techniques and how they modify your natural body structure. And lastly, pitching mechanics. So in addition to the type of pitches you throw, it seems pretty obvious that how you throw them can have an effect on your health. I'm far from an expert on mechanics, but if you watch videos of Jim Bowden in the early 60s, you'll see his motion is not exactly smooth and easy. He's not quite one of the so-called max effort guys like Jake Peavy, but he's more like Peavy than he is like Randy Johnson or Greg Maddox, and it seems to me that that could be the real source of his problem, that even if he had thrown half as many innings each year, he would have had a major problem at some point. Maybe he would have lasted a little longer, maybe not. There's no way yet to quantify pitching mechanics, so we can't do a statistical study, 
but anecdotal evidence suggests a correlation between good mechanics and a long career. Randy Johnson threw way more pitches year after year than anyone in baseball and pitched until he was 46 without ever suffering a major injury. I don't think it's a coincidence that most experts consider his mechanics to be pretty close to ideal. Jake Peavy's mechanics, in contrast, are considered quite bad, and he's currently recovering from shoulder surgery. Steven Strasburg's mechanics were also highly criticized, and now he's having Tommy John surgery. Other pitchers with exemplary mechanics include Greg Maddox, Nolan Ryan, and Roger Clemens, all of whom had long, injury-free careers. Mark Pryor, despite what Tom House says, did not have good mechanics, and his career was over at the age of 25. Now, unfortunately, there hasn't yet been a lot of good statistical research to tell us about managing to pitch counts and limiting the innings of young pitchers. Baseball Prospectus invented a measure called pitcher abuse points about 10 years ago, and they did some studies, but the basis of pitcher abuse points is pretty flawed, and I think the results of those studies are very questionable. But eventually, we will have good statistical studies on the short and long-term effects of pitch limits, and my guess is they will show that on average, Pitchers last longer and have fewer problems when they throw fewer pitches. On average, I'm pretty certain that's true. But even if it is, it doesn't necessarily mean that pitch limits are a good solution. Imagine you have 100 race car drivers, and half of them are constantly crashing into walls, driving off the track, and messing up their cars and getting hurt. And it's only a matter of time until these guys' cars and bodies are so messed up that they can't drive anymore. In that situation, the fewer laps each driver takes, the longer their careers will be. Their laps will be spread out, they might get a little more time to rest and repair in between races, so yeah, on average, they'll last longer. But what if instead of limiting their driving, you could just teach them not to crash? Then they could drive more laps and still have a long career. Now I don't know how feasible this is with major league pitchers. I don't know how much you can change a guy's mechanics, even at the age of 20, if he's been pitching since he was nine. And if you can't improve mechanics, then maybe pitch limits are the way to go. If your delivery is such that every pitch you throw brings you a little closer to pain and eventually injury, then pitch limits do seem to make sense, even if it's a case of treating the symptoms rather than the disease. But maybe you can't treat the disease. This is where we need someone with more inside information than me. I don't know to what extent coaches try to improve pitchers' mechanics once they're in the majors. I don't know to what extent coaches can even recognize good mechanics. I rely primarily on a guy named Chris O'Leary for analysis because I understand his theories and his results always make sense. But Tom House, a former big league relief pitcher and longtime pitching coach, the guy responsible for Mark Pryor's delivery, is much more influential. Former major league reliever and now pitching coach Mike Marshall thinks Tom House has ruined thousands of pitchers' arms. And I'm sure there are guys who don't like what Marshall's doing. So I don't know how much consensus there is on what makes good mechanics. I don't know to what extent the desire and ability to correct pitching mechanics exists. If anyone listening to this has more insight, please let me know. Anyway, I think there's also something kind of subtle going on here. A lot of fans don't like pitch counts. But I think that's mostly because pitch counts are the device by which managers try to keep their pitchers healthy. I think the thing we actually don't like is the increasingly short outings. If there was a different method for limiting pitchers' use, we'd hate that just as much. The logic of pitch limits is almost irrefutable. All other things being equal, fewer pitches means less chance for overexertion. But for whatever reason, we don't like it. 
we want no hitters. We want to see a horse go out on the mound, inning after inning, and finish the damn game. I'm Alex Reisner, and you've been listening to Game of Chance. For comments and discussion, check out the website, gameofchance.alexreisner.com, or give me a call at 323 233